The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome everyone to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods and I'm your host for today's show. As um, some of you may know, September is National Suicide Prevention Month and um, our the focus of our show today is going to be on suicide prevention, and we have a guest with us, Wendy Parmley, who um, has written a book called Hope After Suicide, One Woman's Journey from Darkness to Life. Uh, Wendy has long advocated for suicide prevention, and she's participated on various professional and community-based groups dedicated to um, help people expand suicide prevention. She also recognizes the need to unashamedly support those who must continue to live in the painful aftermath of a loved one's suicide and passionately lends her voice to that cause. Wendy has worked in nursing. She's She's earned her MBA from Brigham Young University in 2007, and um, I just want to thank you for agreeing to talk with us. This is a very timely topic. I think it's always a timely topic, but there's been a lot more in the news lately around um, some very high-profile people that have committed suicide, and so I think in some ways that's raised our awareness, but, um, you know... I don't even know where to begin with this. This is such a painful topic, and it's and it's difficult for people. So, where would you suggest we begin, Wendy? Well, I think um, first off, Mary, thank you so, so much for having me as a guest on your show. Um, I think one of the one of the things that we need to understand is that suicide touches all of our lives, and um, you know, it's been a, a really interesting to see the um, response to those high-profile suicides, um, particularly Robin Williams, you know, a couple months ago, to see the people who finally were able to open their mouths and and be able to, to say, I'm depressed. You know, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention's website um, had a huge increase of uh, visitors to that site as as people felt freedom to be able to explore the topic. And I think that we need to continue that dialogue and continue um, continue to tear down the stigma of suicide um, so that we can, we can save lives because talking about suicide and suicide prevention does save lives. Can you give, um, could you can give our audience just an overview of um, how suicide, you said everybody lives with suicide, how does that affect us after somebody that we have loved um, or known has committed suicide? Well, 
I think there are, you know, a, a, a variety of ways that people are impacted, dependent upon who they know um, or, or what their relationship to that person who ended their life was. Um, certainly, a, you know, a close relation like mine. My mother uh, ended her life when, when I was 12 years old. And so my experience may be different than somebody who was much older or somebody who lost, you know, a friend or an acquaintance. But one of the common, one of the common feelings and reactions is this feeling of um, guilt and shame um, that we, we should have known or we should have done more to prevent that death. And, um, and then, of course, that horrible grief uh, when we've lost somebody that we love, grief that is is different in in many ways um, from an expected death, um, and certainly it is it is different to to lose somebody who ended their own life than than even somebody who maybe died in a in a car accident. So, grief, shame, um, guilt those are all very common feelings and emotions. So, you know, I, I think that, as you said, it's hard when you lose anybody suddenly, but when somebody commits suicide, there's always the should have, could have, would have, and that I guess leads to the guilt and the shame. Um, where can somebody get help if they're feeling that way? Well, I think the first, you know, the first place that we have um, shared is to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Um, there are there are trained therapists who are available. Um, that number is one eight hundred two seven three talk, which is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five, and you can reach out to that number. Now, oftentimes, is in that really dark place and very depressed. Um, not able to, you know, even get out of bed in the morning, um, they may not, they may not uh, call that lifeline themselves. So it's it's okay for a family member or a friend who who sees someone in that situation. It's okay for them to reach out as well and to call that number, or certainly. You know, if somebody is actively suicidal and has a plan and um, is is telling, you know, friends that they are going to end their life, it's really important to take that seriously and, and it's okay to call 911. It's okay to take that individual to the emergency room or to accompany them to, you know, a professional psychologist so that they can get the help that they need. I think it's really important for people, too, to understand how pervasive suicide is. Um, According to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, suicide claims more than 38,000 lives each year in the United States alone, with someone dying by suicide every 13.7 minutes. And a suicide attempt is made every minute of every day, resulting in nearly 1 million attempts annually. So there are a lot more people who attempt suicide than we even begin to think understand. Yes, yes. And, um, and that's, those are just the statistics in the United States. Um, and, 
you know, it's interesting as I go and talk with individuals or, um, for example, last week I had the opportunity to do a book signing at a, at a local university and suicide is the second leading cause of death for individ, you know, for young adults and adolescents. And, um, and as I saw these, these young adults pass by, um, you know, the display where, with, with a big sign that said, you know, hope after suicide. It was interesting to see the response. Some just averted their eyes and looked down and others came up and, and it was like this huge weight was lifted from their shoulders as they found a common connection with me. Um, and, and they opened up their, you know, opened up their hearts and shared their own stories of either depression or a suicide in their family or suicide of a best friend. And, and it was, it was, um, evident and apparent how deeply they had been affected by these either thoughts of suicide themselves or actual suicide in, in their own families. Um, and, and in other groups, you know, you ask people, how many of you have been affected by suicide, either directly or indirectly, um, a friend of yours, you know, a friend of a friend, and nearly every hand goes up. Um, we, we just don't talk about it. Why is that? Well, I think it goes back to those feelings of guilt and shame and, um, embarrassment or a lack of understanding. Um, you know, we, we talk about how selfish it might be to take your own life, and yet the, um, the individual who, who is in that situation, they really, you know, ha- have those feelings of wanting to end their life. They, they feel like they're a burden to their family and really ending their life would relieve that burden from their family. Um, and, and so it really is not a selfish act. It is just the act of somebody who doesn't have a healthy mind. So we, 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 you know, we should view um, mental illness as something similar to heart disease, something that can be treated, something that can, um, it can be healed or at least helped and and yet we don't we we um view somebody as having something terribly wrong um, if they if they have if they have those sorts of thoughts you know in 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 thinking about the tragedy of Robin Williams suicide and, you know, we, some of us are sitting around talking and, and thinking about, you know, here's somebody who has immense talent, has had a great career, certainly has people around who loved him, and he certainly, at many times in his life, reached out to people to help them, and how sad it is that somebody could get that sick, that with all of that going for them, their, their brain can still get that ill, that they just didn't see any other way out. Oh, absolutely. And really, you know, what we learned from that experience is that suicide is no respecter of persons. Mental illness is no respecter of persons. And, and it's something that we need to take seriously. There's no amount of money or fame or fortune that can prevent um, mental illness. Um, it, you know, it really does go back to that sick brain. 
So what happens once somebody attempts suicide and um, they get help or somebody intervenes and the suicide isn't um, finished or completed? Are those folks more at risk to attempt again? Oh, absolutely. You know, you can look um, at the risk factors on the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention's website, which is um, AFSP.org, and a previous attempt um, is is a huge risk factor. Um, and, and part of the thinking is that that um, desensitizes that individual to to uh, self harm. You know, it, um, they've they've attempted one time already, and so you know, it, it's 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 really an interesting an interesting illness, but but somebody who has uh, had self-harm behaviors, you know, whether that is cutting or, or you know, a plan, uh, running out in the street and, and then somebody, you know, um, uh, pulling that individual uh, out of the street or attempting to jump off a roof, th- those are, you know, th- those are things that we see in the movies, but, but really... But really, that does put that individual at, at an increased risk for a second attempt. And we'll be right back after this commercial to talk more with um, Wendy about suicide prevention. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Are you facing unexplainable struggles with your health? Listen to someone who has been there. Join host Teresa Jungling each week for Living Natural Today, out with toxins, in with your health as she interviews experts who will shed light and offer practical advice on how you can minimize toxins in your food, home, personal care products, and more. Living Natural Today, Out With Toxins, In With Your Health, is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, and our guest today is Wendy Parmley, and we're talking about um, suicide prevention and Wendy's book, Hope After Suicide, One Woman's Journey from Darkness to Light. Um, before we went into commercial, we were talking about um, if somebody has already attempted suicide, are they more apt to attempt again? And one person that had to- that I had talked to about this said that, you know, whether it's cutting or attempting suicide, you're doing that for relief, and it's seen as a coping skill. And so once your brain has kind of um, gotten to the point where suicide is a way to cope with what you're feeling, that pathway is always there. So it becomes a thought that people might have, not that they would act on it, but even years down the road. Have you ever heard that? Oh, yes, yes. Um, You know, I'm not the expert, certainly, um, but... But I've heard the same thing. You know, there are endorphins that are released, and there, there's just um, there's just that desire for relief of pain, relief of that that uh, dark place that that you find yourself in, and uh, you know, searching for light and and um, and release. You're you're exactly right. A friend of my son's, I think it was three weeks ago. Um, worked with a young man who he knew but didn't know as well as as the people that worked with him and he committed suicide maybe three weeks ago and and you know my son came home and um he was really angry at the kid and he said you know I don't know why he had to do that you know everybody's upset and I and I really don't think people understand how dark of a place it is before someone commits suicide what have been your experiences well, um, you know, I was 12 years old when my mom ended her life, and um, as a 12-year-old, I didn't, I, I certainly couldn't understand, I couldn't wrap my head around how, how my perfect mom, as I saw her, could, could end her life, could, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't grasp even, even the concept, um, so I just buried my heart. I just piled on all of these rocks and dirt, as I as I describe them in, in my book, um, and I just went on. So I I didn't feel that anger at her, but a coping mechanism that I had. Uh, really, I projected that anger on everybody else, and it wasn't until many years later when I was faced with a situation in my family that was difficult to um, dif- difficult at the time that I sought treatment for anger that was always kind of lying under the the surface, and I didn't want my anger to affect my family, and in particular, this son that we that that we had some struggles with um or he was going through a situation that that uh brought up some of those angry feelings 
so I sought some treatment and some help and, um, and, you know, asked the therapist, how long, how long, you know, will I need to come and see you? And he thought four or five visits. And, and so as we started unwrapping that, those layers um, of anger, I, I realized what was underneath all of that was really the the death of my mom to suicide. And so it wasn't until many, many years later that I began to understand some of those feelings. So, and I still didn't feel a lot of anger towards my mom, but I, but at one point I I did verbalize, you know, I I think I need to I need to process my mom's death. I've never done that, and and so we began that work, but. But I think that anger is, is a typical response, um, either at the individual or at everybody else. You know, why, why did mom have to die that way? Well, you know, I think that there's, um, what you're bringing up is a really good point, is that this isn't something you can do in three or four sessions or five sessions. This is an ongoing process because there are many layers that you have to peel back. Whatever you do to plug the wound when somebody dies, that plug is just temporary to get you through, you know, the, the kind of crisis, if you will. But if you don't unplug that afterward, eventually that plug pops out and it's going to pop out in anger or grief or, you know, some other some other thing that, that you don't even connect with, with the, the, your loved one's suicide, but it's there. So, you know, the fact that this is an ongoing kind of evaluation and process is really important for people to understand. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, if, if um, people can seek treatment early in the process, then... Uh, it's better in the long run, um, but it may, you know, grief has no timetable. It may take years. It may take weeks. It may take months, but, you know, and everybody's situation is is unique, but I think that um, what we don't understand is that suicide is, is similar. You know, our brains respond to that similarly to those um, returning veterans who experience post-traumatic stress disorder, and early intervention is, is important. Um, for me, you know, it had been many, many years, um, and so it may have taken longer. You know, I, I um, processed that, that trauma for about a year, uh, and, the, you know, the therapist used a variety of techniques, including talk therapy and exposure therapy and EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, um, you know, which has been been studied and proven effective for the treatment of PTSD. So, you know, the the thing that that we can stress is that it is so important to seek professional help um, when you're in that situation. Yes, I think this is really important to stress because oftentimes it's something that you need somebody to be with you side by side to to kind of um, process it and to heal from it. Yes, yes, and um, you know, I think I think we do ourselves and our families a disservice if we just try to soldier up and move forward and and cover that up because you're right. Eventually, we've got to peel back those layers and really look really look at the pain, really look at the wound, and, um, and heal it properly. Well, what, 
What can a person do if their loved one is depressed or feeling suicidal or they think that they're suicidal? I know you'd mentioned before getting them to the emergency room, but sometimes that's like the last thing they want to do. Right, right. Well, I think... um you know, certainly take it seriously. And, and again, I'll, I'll um, refer people to the, uh, the, the website, AFSP.org. There are some really wonderful suggestions there. But 50 to 75% of all people who attempt suicide tell somebody about their intention. And so take that seriously. I know in my situation, um, my, my mom talked to her sisters and, and told them that she was going to end her life. And certainly, you know, back in the 1970s when, when this was happening, um, we didn't have the same understanding. And they just, you know, hoped that she would, she would snap out of it or become well again. But it's important to, to take it seriously and ask questions, begin you know, by telling that suicidal person that you're concerned about them, tell them specifically um, what they've said or done that makes you feel concerned about suicide. And, and again, don't be afraid to ask whether the person is considering suicide. Sometimes we think, you know, even, even mentioning that or asking that question will um, push them over the edge, and, and so we ignore that conversation. But... Um, you know, don't be afraid to ask and asking if they have a particular plan or method in mind. Um, and ask if they're seeing a clinician or are taking medication so that the treating person can be contacted if, you know, if they are seeing a psychologist um, already or a psychiatrist or a physician, then it would be important to contact that individual and to seek some guidance and counsel from, from that professional. Um, and and if they're not, then encourage that professional help. Um, you know, ask them to see a physician or a mental health professional right away. And and again, it's it's okay to accompany that individual to even you know um, make an appointment for them. Um, and and you know, again, take action. Um, don't you know? Remove any any firearms or uh, medications from the the house if that's if it's a family member or a child. Um, make sure that that you have a safety plan, um, and then take the person you know either to an outpatient psychiatric clinic or or we talked already about the hospital emergency room. But if you're unsure. Really, I can't overemphasize the um, option of calling the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline because they are the experts. And, you know, the individuals who are answering those calls are are, um, local professionals. So you're going to talk to somebody in your area and they can refer you to outpatient or inpatient resources um, and then encourage, you know, follow-up treatment. you know, it may take several weeks for, for um, you know, medications to take effect or even, you know, for the, the therapy to begin to, you know, to help that individual start seeing the light um, again. And, and it's okay to let that individual know that, um, you know, this really stinks. It's really hard to go through this experience, but 
it can pass. It, you know, this is, this can be temporary. So, um, encouraging that, that person to, to, uh, continue to seek, seek treatment and to participate in, in that, you know, that professional care through the duration of, of that episode, if you will. Um, that's a good place for us to pause for our next commercial, and we'll be right back after this commercial with more with Wendy. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, and today we are talking about suicide prevention with uh, Wendy Parmley, who has written a book, Hope After Suicide, One Woman's Journey from Darkness to Light. And in our last segment, um, Wendy, you know, I was thinking as you were talking about some of the things that I've learned about suicide over the early on in my career and life, and, and I think um, we're just really beginning as a profession to understand suicide better and, and to understand how to prevent it and how to treat it. But some of the things that I learned um, growing up in this profession is that if somebody's talking about suicide, it means they're not going to attempt it. And if somebody's drinking or under the influence of substances, if they get temp suicide, then that's kind of a, you don't have to pay as much attention to that as when somebody's sober. And both of those things are wrong, but I'm just wondering about, you know, are there other myths out there that people might be living under that we should debunk, so to speak? Um, 
Well, I think one of the myths is that um, there's nothing we can do to prevent uh, suicide if if um, somebody is determined to take their life. I've heard that an awful lot recently, right. and, and that's not true. Um, there is treatment available. Um, 90% of the people who die by suicide have have potentially treat, treatable mental disorders at the time of their death, and um, and certainly, you know, drugs and alcohol um, impair judgment and 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 um, and and actually make that brain sicker, and so they are, you know, more at risk, but. But there is treatment for those mental disorders. Well, and, and I just want to encourage everybody out there who's listening is that, you know, if somebody is depressed, treatment for the depression is viable. There are many ways to treat depression. There's medication. There's acupuncture. There's all some alternative things you can do to treat depression. But people can... Um, recover from depression, and, you know, it's not as hopeless as it seems. And and your book talks about hope after suicide, and I think that's important that if you have somebody who is depressed, to keep being that, um, have hope for them until they can have it for themselves. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, I think I think another myth uh, we talked about um you know, we talked about a little bit is that talking about suicide may make somebody even more suicidal, and and that's simply not true. You know, the research clearly shows that the more that we can tear down that stigma, then um, the you know, and and talk openly about suicide and mental health disorders and treatment, um, the less likely individuals are. Uh, to end their lives. So it's okay to talk about, and I think that that's an important message. Please talk about it. So your advice to parents who are who are concerned about their children is to ask them, right? Yes, yes. Now, a teen may not tell you anything. You know, I had a situation in my own family where one of my one of my children, you know, in his teens was actively suicidal. Um, and he he clammed up. He did not want to talk to to us about it. And but um, asking him if he had a plan and if he, you know, was was safe um, was important. And he finally, you know, confessed, if you will, his his plan and his desire to end his life. And and then we were able to put in place safety measures and um, supervision and and to. Uh, you know, rally support from his teachers and peers and um, leaders, you know, in his life uh, to help keep him safe through that period of, you know, four to eight weeks where he was severely depressed. Um, So if you're... You know, this is really... It's a hard topic sometimes, I think, to talk about because... Um, suicide is a final, and um, there's there's so much left for the people who are who care about the person. That your book is hope after suicide. Could you explain how you get from feeling so um, after someone you cares about you care about commit suicide? How do you get from those feelings to hope? Well. Um... 
I think it's a multi-pronged process. And for me, um, that despair and that sadness and that sorrow at having lost my own mom to suicide really um, left me in some dark places from time to time. Um, and, and, and so the, the process of therapy, the process of turning to my faith um, and to my God, uh, those things were important. Um, reaching out and sharing my story with friends who I trusted was important. Um, and ultimately, um, looking at the pain and acknowledging it and shedding light on it and, um, you know, healing, healing from the inside out, really. And... Um, I think those were all important, important steps in the process of finding light. Um, being able to tell my children, my mom died by suicide. And again, that just, you know, that, that normalizes the conversation. And um, those were really important keys to my, my own healing and I think, I guess for me, that's something I would like to encourage our listeners to be able to say to their to their family members or their the people that they're treating that it's okay to say my my mother, my cousin, my spouse, my partner died from suicide. It's important to have that conversation and to say that. Um, for yourself, it doesn't matter how somebody reacts to it. It's just important for you to be able to say it. Yes, absolutely. And and you'll get all sorts of reactions. Um, but again, that may be helpful for somebody else. You know, um, my, my hope with writing this book is to give voice to those who are struggling and to give courage to others to share their own stories because it really is in the sharing of our stories that we begin our own healing journeys. And, and um, you know, regardless, like you said, of, of the reaction of other individuals, um, which will be all across the board, but, but have courage because you may save a life. I, um, I received a letter last week from a cousin who, who, um, who said that reading, reading my, about my story, reading my story, um, the book Hope After Suicide, saved her life. She had been contemplating suicide for many, many years and, and trying to find just the right way to end her life. Um, and reading about the hardship and the trials that our family faced, and me in particular, helped her understand what the consequences of suicide are. And she didn't want to hurt her own children in that way. So, so really... You know, talking about about our own experiences helps us begin that healing journey, but also may save a life. So this is National Suicide Prevention Month. What are things that we can do to prevent suicide either as a community or in our families? Um, well, I think I think we need to recognize the signs of depression and recognize 
the, you know, the warning signs for suicide. Um, you know, again, uh, talking about wanting, you know, to kill themselves or saying they wish they were dead, looking for a way um, to end their lives, such as hoarding medicine or, or buying a gun, talking about a specific suicide plan. You know, those are all important important uh, warning signs, feeling hopeless or having no reason to live, um, feeling trapped, feeling like that you're a burden to others or feeling humiliated. So, so educate ourselves as to those warning signs. Um, you know, somebody may have insomnia, not, you know, not be able to sleep, whereas somebody else may, may sleep for hours and hours at a time and you can't you know, you can't drag your son out of bed. You know, his grades are plummeting or um, they're becoming socially isolated or withdrawn. So educating ourselves about the, the, the signs of, um, of risk, uh, warning signs for suicide. And then, like we, we talked about, taking it seriously and seeking treatment. Um, and we can love each other. We can open our hearts and... and Give love, um, you know, take each other by the hand and support each other and help, help bear one another's burdens. Um, I think those are all really important things. And, and um, recognizing that mental illness is just like any other illness. It's just it's an illness of the brain rather than an illness, you know, a broken arm or a broken leg or something that, that we can visibly see. We can't see inside our brains. You know, nobody else can, can see inside our brains, but, but it is treatable. And I think that's an important message, that it is treatable and that um, it's a chronic illness like other chronic illnesses and that there are, you have to be able to hang in there with the person and you have to be able to provide the support the person needs just like you would if they had diabetes or heart disease or asthma, um, that it's, you know, there, there's not a, a magic bullet for this. No, there isn't. There isn't. And, you know, oftentimes... Um, you know, it's, it's trial and error, finding the right medication, if medication's indicated, um, and, it, you know, finding the right therapist. It, it's really okay to fire your therapist if it's not working um, and, and to seek, you know, alternative um, help. But, um, but it's important to take that first step and to not, you know, not be ashamed uh, that, that you have, you know, an illness that... That requires a different kind of, of treatment. Thank you, Wendy, and we'll be right back after this commercial. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned 
common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-Occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan and Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Kelly covers our relationship with food and teaches us how easy eating well and living well can be, taking us on a weekly food journey, guiding us to a more rich and vibrant life. So tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods. I'm your host today. And our guest is Wendy Parmley, who has written a book about um, surviving suicide. And the name of, this, the name of her book is um, Hope After Suicide. I think that, you know, we talked in the last segment about how important it is for people to understand that, that this is something that, that people can recover from, both depression and after someone you love commits suicide, there is a journey you can take to um, to kind of grieve and, and move beyond it. And, you know, we were talking about how to prevent um, suicide individually before we went to commercial, but I think as a community, there are some things that we need to be aware of, and, I, and I'd like your ideas on this one day in, term, in terms of bullying, like the kids who are bullied, to be aware of what, what that's about. For young kids who may be, um, you know, the LGBT population, I think they're at high risk as well. And for, for young kids who are being um, abused in some way, I think they're also for high risk. So as a community, there are things we need to, to, to be aware of, whether they're our neighbors or the kids that are in the Girl Scout troop or the Boy Scout troop or the soccer team or... Um, you know, schools. So I, I was just wondering what your thoughts are on those factors towards suicide. Well, certainly I think that anything that impairs, you know, um, children's self-esteem can, you know, it can impact uh, their desire to end that sort of abuse and, and also, um, you know, to escape. Uh, and 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 leads to feelings of worthlessness and um, you know what's wrong with me? I'm not good enough. And I th- I think it's important that that you know we as adults 
uh, not tolerate that kind of behavior and that we protect those kids whose brains aren't developed um, and and whose judgment, um, you know, maybe may be impaired because of because of these traumatic situations. It's you know, um, and, and certainly increases the risk of of uh, behavior, self harm behavior. So it's important that we continue to not tolerate that kind of behavior, bullying or um, abuse in any in any way. And I think it's also important for us to be aware of the of the risk factor around cyberbullying or kids being, um, you know, picked on via the Internet as well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, and it goes back to just wrapping our arms around, around each other and, and modeling that kind of behavior. Um, there's absolutely no room for, for abuse. So, Wendy, when you wrote this book, what was it that you hoped that people would take away from Hope After Suicide? That there's healing. Um, Hoped to encourage others to seek help for mental illness and to not be afraid, you know, to ask a depressed friend if they're thinking about ending their life. Um, Hoped to unashamedly share my... my, um, my story and to give voice to those who have experienced suicide loss and, and give courage to others to unashamedly share their own stories because, you know, like we've said before, it's in the sharing of our stories that we can be, begin our own healing journeys. Um, hope to let others understand that they're not alone, um, even though every situation is unique and, and every loss is is painful um, and uniquely painful. They're not alone. You know, you're not alone. There are there are um, others who have who have walked a similar path. And um, and if you know, if one person can overcome grief and sorrow and depression and um, and all the hurt that accompanies suicide loss, then, then another person can as well. Um, I hope, you know, hope to let others know that, that, that they can walk in the light. Um, and certainly, you know, share my, share my, unashamedly share my own belief in, in my God. Um, and, uh, and that is just one one piece of my puzzle um, on my journey to healing. Um, so, so that that is the hope that I that I share. Hope that there can be healing. Hope that um, you're not alone. How can people um, buy your book or contact you? Um, you can you can purchase the book online or order it in through your local bookstore. It's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and booksandthings.com. You can learn a little more about my story at www.wendyparmley.com, um, and that is W E N D Y P as in Peter A R M as in Mary L E Y dot com. Um, and, and you can contact me uh, via that website as well. 
and it's and it sounds in I know you've mentioned it a couple times, but the uh, suicide prevention hotline that is another resource for for families or individuals who have lost a loved one to suicide. They can call them. It's just not for the individual as well. Is that correct? That is correct. In fact, that individual may not be in a position, you know, the, the, the individual who is suicidal may not be in a position to, to dial that number um, or to even be thinking of, of reaching out for help. Um, so put it in your cell phones. That was the best advice I heard a couple of weeks ago from, from somebody who works with high-risk children and um, is put it in your cell phone. Just have it on your speed dial, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Again, that is 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-8255. Thank you so much for um, sharing your journey with us and your, and your story. I think it's incredibly timely that um, we start to begin to look at what happens to the folks around the individual who dies by suicide and that there is a, you can go from the darkness to the light and that that it is a journey. So um, thank you for uh, modeling that for us, Wendy. Oh, thank you so much. Um, So once again, if any of you would like to contact Wendy, her website is www.wendyparmley.com. And you can buy her book, Hope After Suicide, One Woman's Journey from Darkness to Light, through Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, What was the other one? Books Books and Things. Books and Things as well. And, um, you know, I I hope everyone who's listening really understands that, that suicide is something we need to talk about, we need to be aware of, and that there's treatment for depression and that there's... There's hope and, and treatment for people who end up losing a loved one from suicide. So, um, you know, on behalf of both Wendy and I, I hope that everybody listening, um, you know, is able to walk away from this with hope and a feeling that, um, you know, life does go on. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for um, having me as a guest on your show, Mary. Oh, you're, you're more than welcome, and I hope everyone has a good week this week, and um, take care of yourselves, everybody. appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.